I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Hi, and welcome back. Later this week, I am heading to the great land down under. I'm going to Australia for my second time, and I am so excited to be doing a six-day speaking tour there in Melbourne and in Sydney, but I want to share with you something that I'm going to be teaching on with the school teachers in the Diocese of Parramatta there later this week, and I'm so excited. It's in the Gospel of Mark. Last year, I was blessed to walk through uh, salvation history, a big picture look at the Bible. This year, uh, we're going to be working with the school teachers on the Gospel of Mark, which is the Gospel for this year. And I I want to give you one verse in Mark's Gospel that really is a key for unlocking the entire Gospel. If you know this one verse well, then you're going to have a framework for your own reading and studying of Mark's Gospel and just even hearing it at Mass. We've been hearing the Gospel of Mark a lot in the liturgy this last year, and uh, this could be really helpful for you. So I like to say if Mark's gospel could be summed up in one sentence. You would find that sentence in the very opening verse, Mark's gospel, chapter one, verse one. And I want to unpack that with all of you today. But first, just a little bit of background on who this man is, St. Mark. Uh, St. Mark, uh, according to ancient tradition, was a disciple of St. Peter, the first pope. Uh, We read about this in some of the early church leaders. Papias says that this gospel was written by a disciple of Peter. Papias writing at the end of the first century into the early second century. You've got Clement of Alexandria, second century church father as well, the St. Irenaeus also making this point, Mark's gospel being written by a disciple of Peter. So think about this. Uh, Mark traveling with Peter there in Rome while Peter's preaching the gospel just before the persecution's breaking out. And we are reading this gospel and in those moments you'll, you'll get a sense, oh yeah, the way Mark said that, you could tell he got that from Peter. Oh yeah, as if Peter was there. It's as if we're encountering Jesus day to day through Peter's eyes when we read Mark's gospel. Um, one of the great themes in Mark's gospel is just how brief and to the point it is. That's one of the great things about this gospel. I mean, you you could read this gospel in just a few hours. Just go to the chapel and carve out half a day on a Sunday afternoon and, and you can get the whole gospel. If you've never done that before, it's a wonderful thing to go from beginning to end in one gospel to just get the whole picture all together at once. Uh, it is it, That's why some people call it the evangelistic gospel. It's brief, it's to the point, and you get a sense that Matt, uh, this, this man, St. Mark, he is a man on... On a mission, and he's just so eager to tell you one story about Jesus and another and another and another as quick as possible. In fact, there's one word Mark uses over 40 times. He uses this word immediately. He says, immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue. Immediately, he left the synagogue. Immediately, went and healed this person. Immediately, the leprosy left the leper. And it's just like one thing after another. Over 40 times, you have this word immediately as you're being swept from one story to the next, to the next, to the next. It's fast-paced. It's action-packed. It's intense. This is a man on a mission. Mark has a sense of urgency. He wants to introduce you to the person of Jesus, and he wants to get you through the big picture of his life as quick as possible. And you get a sense of that urgency in the very opening verse of Mark's gospel. Just listen to this here. The, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, at first glance, you hear that, and you may be thinking, oh, what's the big deal? That's just a simple way to introduce. This is the gospel of Jesus. He's the Son of God. But but this is packed, and this is very intentional, because what we have here in Mark's gospel is Mark setting up 
the, the uh, an itinerary for his journey he's going to take you on through the life of Jesus. This is like the table of contents for the rest of Mark's gospel. In fact, these two titles that Mark immediately gives to Jesus, he calls Jesus the Christ and he calls him the Son of God. Uh, th- these two titles really represent the two halves of Mark's gospel. Most scholars recognize that there's a clear turning point in the middle of Mark's gospel toward the end of chapter 8. And the first half is going to be focused on this first title, the Christ. How so? Well, let's talk about that title, the Christ. It's the Greek, based on the Greek word Christos, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Messiah. Uh, and so it's it's St. Mark here introducing Jesus first as the Messiah, the long-awaited royal son of David, the great king who was going to come and liberate the people from their enemies. The first half is all about Jesus being revealed to the people as the Messiah. How so? Through his powerful preaching, his amazing preaching that all the people are amazed by. They notice he, he doesn't teach like the other scribes and the Pharisees. This man teaches with authority, but even more so through his powerful actions, his miracles. He's healing many people with various diseases and infirmities. He's expelling demons. He's uh, he's forgiving people's sins. He's, he's, he's calming storms. There's all these amazing signs and wonders surrounding Jesus's public ministry. And for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see, they're going to notice that this must be the prophesied one, the great Messiah. In fact, Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 34, uh, chapter 29 and chapter 30, verse 35, that is, uh, these are two passages in Isaiah that foretell about the many great healings the Messiah was going to do, that the God was going to send this person that would come, who would make the blind see, that he'd make the deaf hear, the mute talk again, he'd make the lame man walk, and we see Jesus doing that over and over again all through Mark's gospel in this first half. And the climax of this first half of Mark's gospel comes in Mark chapter 8, verse 29, here's what happens. Jesus takes the apostles way up north to a district known as Caesarea Philippi. And while he's there, he asks the apostles, who do people say that I am? And the disciples all come back. Oh, some people think you're John the Baptist. Some people think you're this. They think you're a prophet. And then Jesus makes the, per, the, the question personal. And he says, but who do you say that I am? And that's where Simon steps forward. Simon Peter steps forward and says, You are the Christ. You are the Christ. You are the Christos. Uh, and so here we have at the at the climax of right after this tour de force of all of these major signs and wonders of Jesus, Peter is the first person to explicitly state. You are the Christ, the first person to explicitly realize Jesus is the Messiah, the prophesied one. And now, at this middle point in Mark's gospel, everything changes. Now the direction changes theologically, spiritually, geographically. There's this movement toward Jerusalem, this movement toward the cross, this movement toward the suffering of the Messiah. So from this point on, Jesus is going to move from way up north in Caesarea Philippi. He's going to make a beeline south. He's going to go down, back through Galilee, and then down through Judea and go to Jerusalem, where he's going to be handed over to the chief priests and then crucified. Uh, and all along the way, Christ is trying to reprogram the apostles to help them understand what it really means to be Messiah. They're all excited. You're going to be the great king. This is awesome, Jesus. And he's saying, whoa, whoa, hold on. 
I want you to know what kind of king I'm going to be because my kingdom isn't of this world. He's basically saying my kingdom is going to be all about forgiveness and service and suffering. In fact, he tells them three times this explicit uh, account of how he's going to be handed over to the chief priest. He's going to be killed. He's going to be crucified. And he says, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, you got to take up your cross too. He's trying to drill into their heads. Yes, he is the Christ. But what what makes him the Messiah, what's most important, isn't all the signs and wonders and miracles. It's about what's happening on the inside. It's about his his total allegiance to the Father, his total self-giving love, his willingness to die for our sins. That's at the heart of what his messianic mission is all about. So the second half of Mark's gospel, think of this from 831 all the way to the end of chapter 16, is all about the revelation of the Messiah who is going to suffer. The first half of Mark's gospel, chapter 1 all the way up to 830, is all about who is this man? He's the Messiah, and Peter affirms it. And then the second half is all about showing what kind of Messiah is he? This is the Messiah that's going to suffer and give himself totally in sacrificial love. And at the climax of this revelation of his suffering, we see this on Good Fridays. He's there dying on the cross. There's a man who sees something in Jesus that goes beyond even what Peter, even what Peter said in Mark chapter 8, verse 29. You are the Christ. He see this man sees something more. And it's surprising who this man is because this isn't one of the 12 disciples, 12 apostles. It's not any disciple of Jesus. It's not even a Jew. It's coming from a Gentile, a Roman Gentile, a Roman centurion. Remember what the Roman centurion says at the end of Mark's gospel? After Jesus dies, the Roman centurion says in Mark chapter 15, verse 39, Truly this man was the Son of God the Son of God. And it's it's through the, the, the revelation of Christ's suffering that we come to see who he really is. He is the Son of God. And this is what, you, you kind of get a window at, at Calvary, you get a window into the inner life of the Holy Trinity here. Because we see, you know, for all eternity, the Son gives himself totally in love to the Father. That's what the, the Son is always doing for all eternity, giving himself completely in love to the Father. But that eternal son enters into time and space and takes on human flesh, and he continues to give himself totally to his father. And we see it as he's laying down his life, serving, giving himself, constantly serving. And ultimately, we see it most beautifully, most profoundly on Good Friday, when Jesus gives himself totally to the father in love on the cross on our behalf. And it's at that moment that the Roman centurion recognizes this man was the Son of God. In other words, this wasn't just any ordinary man. This wasn't just the Messiah. This was the Holy Son of God. And, and so we see these, these two halves of Mark's gospel summed up with Peter and the Roman centurion. You are the Christ. This man was the Son of God. And how does Mark's gospel begin in Mark chapter 1, verse 1? This is the gospel of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. Right there in one sentence, Mark is setting up the table for you. He's setting up the table of contents for you, the first half and the second half. The revelation of the Christ, the King, and the second half, the revelation of the suffering Messiah, who is the Son of God, Peter, and 
and, and the Roman centurion are being foreshadowed right away in the opening verse of Mark's gospel. So did you ever think you could get that much out of just one biblical verse? Isn't that so exciting? So my friends, I hope that's going to be helpful for your own journey through Mark's gospel as you hear it in the liturgy and it gives you encouragement. If you want to open it up and try to study it, you'll have this little roadmap for you. And I pray this will bless the many school teachers I'll be teaching later this week. So please pray for, for me and my, my, my trip to Australia and the, the school teachers I'll be with and the many others I'll be presenting to. I know I have a number of Australian listeners out there. Uh, check out, I'm going to be doing public lectures as well between uh, Thursday all the way through next Monday in Sydney and Melbourne. You can go to the website of my good friends at Perusia Media. Perusia Media, they're the ones hosting me. They'll have my itinerary and the schedule of, of events while I'm there. Uh, for the rest of you, if this was helpful, please share this podcast with others. And if you haven't had a chance to write a review, please do so. I'd appreciate it. You can always reach out to me, my friends, on Facebook or Twitter or my website, edwards3.com. And I just started on Instagram, so you can find me there as well. Take care. God bless.